The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Well, hello once again. Welcome to episode 46 of the Weekly Harvest podcast. We talk all things Wheat Kings in the WHL. Weekly Harvest presented by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Please drink responsibly. My name is Chris Falco. He's Brandon Crow. And right off the bat, we're also joined here with Perry Bergson this week. How are you guys? Great. Great. Wish I was in Regina, but uh, I guess I'm enjoying the couch because I have to. <laughs> You've been riding that couch for a year now, Burks, and your ass print will be permanently ingrained in that couch. There's no fixing that couch anymore. That move is there to stay. <laughs> and there's just like crumbs on the chip crumbs on the armrest from you using it as a napkin, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, we we were told that there's all these new house rules. Perry's gotta be a lot of clean here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of rules at the Bergson house. <laughs> well, we thought that you know, instead of us doing our little chit chat off the top, because it's because it's Perry, and you know, this is appearance number three. So if there's ever like a regular, almost co-host spot, Perry, that's opening up, it's you. So we thought we would just jump into the full pod here this week uh, as we get set for the Week King season that now only just days away. Uh, we were talking last week, Perry, myself and Crow, about how. It's going to be nice to talk about something that's relevant again. We've all been so enjoying, you know, all of your articles about the alumni, about uh, and, and a great season uh, preview. What we're going to, you know, delve more into here. But uh, how excited are you to actually be now, just days away from having new Wheat King hockey to talk about? Well, we're at a year now since the Wheat Kings last played a hockey game. If you would have told a sports writer a year ago that he would have no sports to cover. For the next 365 days, I don't know what I would have done. Honestly, you know, you just approach it one day at a time, and we kept inventing things to fill the paper. You know, my uh, series on the 2015-16 championship team, even the the thing I did on the midget team that won the national championship. You just we had to keep coming up with ideas. So I've actually spoken with 41 of the 50 guys and done feature stories on the Wheat Kings list. That's just because I needed to. Well, I, I think I can speak on behalf of, I mean, not only as the voice of the Wheat Kings, your, your, your information, what you do is extremely valuable to myself and Pete, uh, but as a fan of the Wheat Kings, I mean, I can speak for the whole fan base and saying, like, bravo. Thank you, and thank <laughs> like, you. Just great job. And, I mean, you, you hate getting accolades, and you hate when people uh, talk about how great you are. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, I mean, we make fun of you. And, and everything that comes along with it. But the the fact that you were able to pull that many rabbits out of your hat and keep Wheat King fans engaged over that long of time, I mean, this is just fantastic. That now you can almost put your feet up and hit the cruise control button because now you've got content that's actually happening that you don't have to create. Well, what I promised on Twitter tonight was that I would try to have a Wheat Kings or WHL story every day during the season. Well, I so think that's cool. And, you know, we'll see if we can do it, but, uh, you know, plan big, right? Right. And I think when you look at, at this whole situation, I mean, you and I talked, uh, oh boy, a long time ago, right when the season kind of came to a pause and, you know, we kind of thought, okay, well, we'll take a bit of a break and then we'll get right back into it and everything will go on. Well, then as the summer went on, you and I kept in touch and we've had you on the podcast whenever and 
I think the best way to describe your feelings towards this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, would be cautiously optimistic. I, I don't know if you were the type of guy at any point that thought that this day would ever actually come together. Let's let's touch on that a little bit. Are you surprised that here we are four days away from the season starting? I think that the way that you and I's discussions always went was when the puck gets dropped for the first game, then we'll believe it. You know, we wanted it to happen. I love junior hockey. Um, and to be without it has been tough for this last year. But honestly, with the nature of COVID and with restrictions, it was hard to imagine a situation where it was going to happen. And they, they ended up having to come with a really creative solution with the Regina Hub just to make it happen. So good on them for doing it. But boy, oh boy, I think both of us will be happy to see that first puck drop. Yeah, Forbes, he told us too on this pod, he said until he sees it hit the ice, which of course in the Central Division happened last week, he wasn't going to believe it. <laughs> so I texted him, I said, Forbes, you're halfway through the first period. Do you believe it yet? <laughs> and he said, yeah, no, I'm in. I believe it. <laughs> So, Perry, you've done an amazing job uh, so far, you know, getting, like we were just talking about, I, again, you hate acc- accolades, so I don't want to just pump your tires too much, but you really have done an amazing job setting, setting everything up. But in the last year, out of everything that you've learned about Wheat King history, what is one thing that's going to stick out to you going forward that when it happened, you're like, wow, I can't believe I just heard that? The thing that I've learned from the alumni series that has really stuck with me is how much the players love Kelly McCrimmon. Now, just in my daily dealings with Kelly, you know, sometimes he comes across as a little gruff and an old school guy, but it's been really fascinating to me to hear about the times when, you know, a player needed a shoulder and he had it for them. He had their backs. I've heard that over and over and over again. You know, uh, obviously he had a lot of success when he was here, but that wasn't just from being, the old school hockey man was from being a good person too. It's funny. I had uh, Darren Ritchie's just across the hall here. We're at the uh, residence in, uh, in Regina and, and GM Darren Ritchie's just across the hall from me. And he came over last night and we watched a little bit of the Calgary Ottawa game. And we were talking about Kelly McCrimmon and, and you know, him and what his role is now with the Wheat Kings and kind of what he was going to be involved or how he was going to be involved moving forward. And we got talking about that same type of thing about, the way he was able to connect with players. And he said that the one thing he won't forget from his time as an assistant coach and being around was that they were, the team was on the road somewhere and, and Richard Nezhesleb, Nezhesleb, I've never been able to say that. Nezhesleb. I've never been able to say that. Um, (laughs) But he was sicker than a dog and he was just down in the dumps. He hadn't been playing well. And when he came down for a morning skate and breakfast, he, he was done. He, he had thrown in the towel and was pretty much just, I'm not playing tonight. I'm done, you know? And Darren said, oh, there's not a chance he's going to play tonight. Well, Krim pulled him aside. They had a conversation, and Rich said that night was the single best game that Richard ever played as a weekend. So he said, it's amazing. He doesn't know what they talked about. He said it was behind closed doors. But in 10 minutes, that kid's attitude went from down in the dumps to, hey, I'm here and I'm ready to go. And that's just one of a thousand stories we can tell about it. So I, I think that is from your perspective and what the readers have picked up on a hundred percent. That's, that's just unbelievable. People don't really think about those types of things. Have you ever noticed talking to Rich now that he sounds just like Kelly? <laughs> Identical. We said that on the podcast last week. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. But you know what? And it, 
it, culture starts from the top down and what Kelly has installed in the Wheat Kings over the years is exactly what you're just talking about right there. You know, it starts there and, 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 and without that, it does not trickle down throughout the organization. You know, Kelly said a really fascinating thing to me after the sale. He said that when he first started here, he was almost a peer to the players and he could deal with them that way. And then as the years went on, he was a fatherly figure to them. And I think he used the words, by the time he sold the team, he was damn near a grandfather to them. <laughs> Which, it was fascinating, you know, his shifting relationship, but dealing with people the same over the years. You know, he seemed to have a good sense of how to push buttons. Like, all of us respond differently. And the ability to read people and understand how to motivate them is, is important. And I've told this story before, and I think I've told it on this podcast. After my first year, now, you know, for those fans that don't know, I mean, growing up in, in Nipawa and Boisevain, I mean, all I ever wanted to do was play for the Brandon Wheat Kings. Now, obviously, we've all seen the pictures and we've all seen the <laughs> stat lines. That was never going to happen. Uh, I was not near good enough. But I thought, you know what? That'll be my next goal. I want to I replace Luber whenever he's ready to retire. And ultimately, that worked out. But you know, my first year with the team, Kelly had just moved on to Vegas, but was still pretty involved. And he pulled me aside after the end of the season and we sat down and, you know, we had a conversation and I asked him, I said, so what, give me your read on, on me and what, you know, how I performed in your eyes in this role. And he, he wasn't overly pleased, uh, not necessarily with me specifically, but my commitment wasn't quite all there. I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was in the middle of trying to buy a house and and start a farm. And, you know, I was just starting to, I just got married to my wife. Like it was, there was a lot going on and I I wasn't entirely focused on what I was doing. And I think I suffered a little bit because of that. And he said to me, and I'll never forget this till the day I die. He said, "Um, hockey isn't life or death unless you want to be good at it. (laughs) And it was just one of those things that, you know, he kind of was, half-ass joking, but half-ass serious in the same thing. And it really stuck with me and it really helped shift my focus to, you know, being better prepared and, and taking more time to pay attention to things and attention to detail and that sort of thing. So it's amazing how one simple little sentence that he said to me stuck with me. And I can't imagine some of the conversations he's had with players that at the time they're thinking, okay, he's not happy. But when you leave, you go, huh, you know what? He may not have been overly happy, but I come away. I feel better about myself for some odd reason. Okay, so here's so here's my Kelly McCrimmon story. It was my first week working with the Wee Kings. I was filling up the coffee pot, and I, I just like at home, I would just fill up with the tap. Well, we do have a water cooler in the office, so as I'm filling up with the tap water, Krim walks by and he goes, "Falco, what are you, a caveman? Use the one." And I was like. Oh. So uh, there may be an, an expletive in there as well, but I'll never be, in, be uh, I'll never forget being called a, uh, a bleeping caveman for filling up from the tap water. So some players get some, you know, some nice speeches to get them fired up for the day. Other guys get uh, told what kind of water to use. I thought this was going to be pineapple pizza in the scout room. <laughs> that yeah no that 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 could never happen <laughs> well that's uh that's part of where i wanted to start the conversation was who's moving on and and you know we can joke all we want about how all of a sudden now we won't have to three years after kelly has no longer part of the organization we're still eating his pizza order for some odd reason inside the scouts room so maybe it's a chance we can get a maybe a barbecue chicken pizza or something in there but hey 
we talk about uh, without structure, there's chaos. And uh, Karim was certainly all about the structure. But 34 years combined as a player, coach, GM, owner, still involved as the alternate governor, but he sells the team on September 8th. You know, that kind of started a domino effect for change with the Brandon Weekings because from there we saw head coach Dave Lowry promoted two months later. You know, from there, uh, Don McGilvery, he gets promoted into the head coaching role. Then Don adds a couple of uh, new assistant coaches. And at this point, a couple of the 20-year-olds graduate to pro hockey when it gets going. So it kind of started in September when Kelly sold the team. And there has been a lot of change. It's hard to fathom now because the time's gone by. But, Perry, is this the most change we've really ever seen in an offseason from a Brandon Weekend club? No. No, the, the summer of 2016 was the big one. When uh, Kelly went to Vegas and then David Anning comes in as head coach, um, you lose the radio guy, you lose the right, uh, the trainer too. Therapist, you get new assistant coaches. Uh, Rich goes to become head scout because Wade Klippenstein gets a pro job. That year was – I was the only guy left standing in the same job. <laughs> and he tried to get ready. He just couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was quite a year. But you're right. There has been an awful lot of change here. And that's what makes, you know, these 24 games so interesting for me. When you look at the coaching staff, that is, to me, where the questions, not necessarily questions, we all know Donnie's a good coach. He's the second winningest coach in MJHL history. And, you know, he's been around this weekend organization. But uh, from, from your dealings with Donnie, even going back to, you know, his time, you covering the MJ and everything else, I mean, what do you what do you see as some of the differences uh, in what he brings to the table as the head coach? Well, he would tell you that he's evolved an awful lot. You know, he was sort of the really old school guy years ago, and he had to change the way he coached young men because obviously kids are different now than they were even ten years ago. You have to. There's a lot more hand holding, I think, now than there used to be. Um, Don was obviously disappointed a year ago when he didn't get the job. He has this amazing year with Dave Lowry, learns so much, and he builds on it. So it's going to be interesting to me to see how much of Dave Lowry he brings into the job this year. I think he's going to bring a lot because he really did enjoy that experience. He also speaks so highly of Kelly McCrimmon. But to me, you know what? He's one of those guys, he's, he's a lifer in the game, and I'm thrilled that he's getting a chance to coach again because he just had that really brief chance in PA with a team that was not very good. And that's not fair to a guy like that. What do you think about the additions to the coaching staff, Perry? They're interesting. You know, video coach for the first time. Uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see how that works out for them. Obviously, Todd Miller coming from the O. He has worked with junior kids, so he knows the age group. It's just going to be a matter of getting sort of adjusted to the WHL. Although this year, everything's so condensed. It's not like you're climbing on the bus and going to Moose Jaw and going to Saskatoon and PA and all these buildings. Everything is happening right there. He's going to get to watch the film. Probably those coaches are going to be at two games a day for the whole time uh, this is going on. So he'll, this actually, in a way, is an ideal way for somebody who doesn't know the league to catch himself up in a hurry, I would think. 
Well, I, I wrote in my second training camp report about Don McGilvery's first that you mentioned with the Prince Albert Raiders. And I was texting Donnie, you know, while I was putting together this story, just asking some questions or whatever. He said, please don't dwell on that team. That team was not very good. He kept saying <laughs> to me, and, uh, the date was December 17th, 1997. I was all of six years old and Don McGilvery stepped behind the bench. Uh, for the Prince Albert Raiders, and he said they got off to a terrible start. Twelve minutes in, they were down two nothing, <laughs> and he said it was kind of one of those uh oh uh, kind of moments. But the Raiders came back and won nine four, and he ended up getting to keep the puck. He told me that he's got the puck on a plaque at home in his basement. So <laughs> hopefully, uh, he is one and zero in his coach head coaching career with the Brandon Weekings. Of course, he had to fill in when uh, Dave Anning went down with the mumps a couple of years ago. If you remember that, Perry, he was the coach on record for one of those wins. So. Uh, Hopefully, he, you know, him and his new staff can can uh, do a good job and, and get things uh, rolling on the right foot. But, you know, we talk about the other departures. And you look at Connor Gutenberg, Dom Schmeeman, arguably the most important one of the bunch, and Yuri Patera, and then Luca Berzan, Cole Reinhardt, Marcus Kelly, and Kelly. And you also don't get Yaroslav Busijin, who is playing pro and was likely going to be here and become an instant impact player from the import draft. So, I mean, you lose those three 20-year-olds, but you also lose a lot of goals in Reinhardt and Burzan. So uh, you lose good players every year, but how much of that plays a factor in how Brandon can do here over the next eight weeks? Oh, absolutely, it plays a factor. This is a very different team that I'm guessing Darren Ritchie was planning for. You know, you the, the thought of losing Reinhardt and Burzan probably hadn't occurred to him. The fact that Kelly and Kelly wouldn't end up here and, uh, you know, your Russian defenseman is playing in Russia. That's four body blows there, one after another after another. Now, that gives you a chance to get your young players in. And I think that's very, very important. And I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot this year. Because in a season when you don't even know if you're going to have a playoff yet, what's the real goal? Now, a week ago, Darren told you competitive people are going to be competitive. And once they are on the ice, they're going to play to win. You're right, they are. But at the same time, Brandon's got eight new faces in its lineup this year, so you can't tell me at some level that this season isn't about development in a big way. Well, there's definitely going to be nights where there might be a veteran guy have to sit out. I look at the back end, you've got six veterans. Sure, you could just dress every one of them every night, but barring no injuries in a healthy season, you've got to get Logan Hammett and Jacob Hoffrogi in on the back end. So that's going to mean that one of the veteran guys is going to have to sit. And you look up front as well, there's going to be guys that have played games and been around this team for a long time that might have to sit up in the crowd in order to help this development along, which there's going to be a real juggling act for Donnie and his staff here moving forward. And I, and I don't think it's all just about that is so much too as there's there's a part of it that's going to be just there's so many games in such a short amount of time that these guys just aren't used to playing that many and they're not going to be able to i mean we're talking about playing games basically just over every two days uh which is is going to be more than what these guys have ever played in this amount of time before so i i wouldn't be surprised to see some kind of a regular schedule where some of those vets are missing regular occurrences right. just ju- just to give their body a rest just to just to get other guys into the mix at the same time but I don't think it's going to be like a traditional season where you're going to have like the same kind of you know guys quote unquote riding it throughout. I think you're going to see a, a system where they're all getting an even amount of of opportunity. Well, I hope I'm wrong, but it's hard to imagine guys sit for a year. 
and then play this super condensed schedule and nobody gets hurt. Right. That would that's be, the thing. Yeah, that would really be something else. Lord knows I hope that that's the case for them and the other six teams there, but there's going to be injuries for sure. Well, and you've heard it uh, on the last three or four media availabilities. Every guy says they're already sore. They're banged up. And and there's a difference between you can work out all you want. And, I mean, I'm the guy that can talk about that. I mean, I know a thing or two about working out as I eat a maple cookie and drink a Diet Coke. Uh, but those guys can work out all they want, but it doesn't make a difference because when you get onto an on-ice situation, the first time you take a bump or the first time you're skating, those are muscles you just can't work in the gym. So – these guys are already pretty sore, and we're only four days through camp. You remember in your goaltending days, as I do in mine, that that first couple weeks or month of the season, your groin's always sore, and and you're just you're using muscles you haven't used in a long time, like you say. So there are going to be some guys, even if you take them out of the lineup for you know a couple of nights, just to, so that something doesn't get worse. You can see them doing that too. Well, I remember, and, and these two names will ring a bell for you. Uh, my coaches uh, with the high school team in Boys of Maine were Travis Lang, former Nipah native, and Corey Bilney, who played uh, for Donnie in PA a little bit before coming back to play for the Bobcats. Anyway, uh, my, I don't know, I would have been grade 10 or 11. Uh, we were practicing twice a day, and then the team was getting together and, and skating as well. And I remember the Boys of Maine Broncos. They have their own dressing room, and that old Boys of Maine rink down there is kind of cool. They built the stall. It's kind of got a nice little junior hockey feel to it. And I remember I did not work out in the offseason. And I don't know if you guys could have guessed that or not, but I didn't have a single fitness regime in the offseason. And I remember getting bag skated like three or four days in a row. And there were two bathrooms in this dressing room. And I remember I showered and I sat down on the can and I had the worst. I had to get a guy to pull me up because I, the, the position I was sitting in, I, my legs just wouldn't work anymore. <laughs> and I mean, granted, I, I'm not in very good shape and wasn't at the time, but it's one of those things where you, you go all summer long and you're not working these muscles. And these guys, some of them haven't even been on the ice because the rinks in their province has been closed. So I really feel for these guys. The pace has been great, but you can tell, you know, some of these guys after each drill, they're, they're reaching for some extra air and some deep pockets in their lungs. You know, Crow, you've, you've, you've actually, I think that story probably scarred some of your listeners. (laughs) Crow, you've actually been able to be there and actually kind of watch some of the practices. And I mean, we've been keeping up to date with, you know, watching the, the Crow's Nest uh, videos online, but going a little more uh, in deep, even, um, you know, not to interview or to ignore you, Perry, but, uh, Crow, what, like, what have you noticed in the practices, like, with that so far? Have guys been, you know, showing much rust? Have they been trying to push themselves a little bit harder to get back up in that game shape in time for Friday or? Well, we, we heard from Todd Miller, the assistant coach the other day saying, these guys just want to go. Like they just, they just want to go a hundred miles an hour. And it's, you could tell in day one that that was the case. Um, there were, there were a lot of passes that missed. There were a lot of passes that were skipping guys that were fanning on shots. Um, you know, goalies, you know, both Unger and Kruger, they were letting things in that maybe they shouldn't. But honestly, about 20 minutes into that first practice, you could just start to see the wheels turning again. Like, you know, guys were, were starting to get a little crisper. Uh, they were shooting a little harder with a little more purpose. They were snapping the passes around. You know, I noticed in day two on Saturday, the pace was still there, but um, it was a lot sharper. And then, you know, I noticed yesterday it was sharper again. And today, this evening's practice here on Monday, uh, the day that we're recording this, this was the sharpest practice yet. Uh, and we just heard from Don Perry and I and you on their post-practice media availability 
And he he loved it. He loved practice tonight. They skated, um, you know, quite a bit tonight. They did a lot of hidden bag skates where it's worked in with puck drills, not your typical, you know, do wallies or whatever. Um, but they were really snapping the puck around. And I said to Darren Ritchie, I said, boy, everything's looking real crisp right now. And I, I mean, obviously I'm looking at it through rose colored glasses. I haven't seen any other teams, but um, it just, it's got a nice pace to it. And it start, it's a lot sharper than I was expecting. I was expecting just a complete haphazard, like, rec hockey beer league Friday night in Oak Lake type performance, but it hasn't been that. So I'd say I'm quite, I'm quite impressed with the way these guys have knocked the rust off. Well, it's, it's an interesting position for the coaching staff to be in. And I wrote that in today's story that in some ways they're saving the players from themselves because the players like Todd said, uh, what was that yesterday that these guys want to go out a hundred miles an hour and they just can't, they just can't let them. Yeah, it's it's hard because you got to maintain your energy because you're playing on Friday. There's no preseason games. There's no time to iron out the wrinkles. Like you got to get into game shape and get going in a hurry without going too far over the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game on Friday from both sides to see kind of what goes on, see how good the goaltending is, and and just what the third period looks like. First period is probably going to have a lot of energy to it. We'll yeah. see what the last ten minutes look like. When we talk about the other WHL news, there's some news and notes. But when it comes to actually like this year, knowing specifically what other teams are going to be looking like and doing, I know that we have like we just kind of were talking about as a Wheat Kings have a younger, uh, you know, development core. Basically, almost you know a good chunk of the team. What like thirty, forty percent of the team is going to be young, young guys. Is there going to be a lot of that with the other teams in the hub? Nice you asked that. That's a radio segue. That is pro work there. Chris. Sign him up. Sign him up. Okay. Well, I actually broke that down. Spoiler alert. I do know the answer. I asked it just for the pod. But thank you for the, <laughs> for the kudos. Take, take it, Perry. Answer. Okay. So Regina has 26 players on their online roster. Nine of them are rookies. Um, that includes Sloan Stanek of Rapid City, Colby Watton of Fox Warren, and Jacob Brook of Roblin. So those are the local guys. They graduate three of their leading scorers from last season, including uh, Witty, Zach Whitting. And uh, to me, the big question is, uh, Carson Denemy? How do you say his last name? I think it's Denemy. Denemy. It is, eh? Uh, I'm also really curious to see what Jacob Brook does this season because, of course, he missed last year with that knee injury, most of it. He is a beautiful skater. So to me, he could have a breakout season this year. But what are you looking at from Regina well, uh, you know that I I don't know what to expect. Obviously, Connor Bedard is is the story. I, to me, it doesn't matter where you where you turn or what you what you open up in Regina. I mean, I've walked around. I've I've gone to some grocery stores and I've picked up the leader posts and I've talked to a few guys. And you know, there may not be fans in the building, but they all are talking about Connor Bedard. I mean, this this kid is the second coming of Connor McDavid, is what they're saying, and he's the first player to ever be granted exceptional status. He goes over to Europe. And plays on an under-20 team. I mean, this kid's 15. He goes to play on an under-20 team, and he puts up two goals and two assists in four games in Sweden's under-20 junior league. So, uh, to me, he's the bit of a wild card. Uh, is he the real deal? We'll know. We'll know in a hurry if he's the real deal or not. Um, but uh, you're right. Losing Zach Wooding on the back end, to me, he was he was their key cog. I mean, they didn't really have a whole lot when it came to their lineup of pure offensive guys. And, I mean, I look up and down their roster. I'm just going to open it up. Um, for pure offense, they don't really have it. I mean, they're going to have to score by committee. And 
obviously for me, their goaltending is significantly better getting Roddy Ross from Seattle. Of course, he's a Philadelphia draft pick. So, I mean, I think they're going to be able to keep the puck out of their net. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, but I feel like Regina might have trouble scoring uh, just by looking at their roster and who's coming back. But they're, again, on a bit of a rebuild. And, and I've talked to Dave Struish. I've read his stuff in the papers, and he's excited. He, he thinks that this is a, a chance for them to really – uh, develop and, and try and push some of these young guys into spots heading into next year. I think Sloan Stanek and Brooke might have very, very good years this year. That's two guys to watch out for. for me. I would agree with that. And like you said, Brooke was injured, so we didn't really get to see him in a Regina Pat uniform. So uh, it'll be interesting. I, I know the fans here are mostly talking about uh, Connor Bedard, and that to me is the storyline everybody's watching here in Regina. I think that, you know, if you're paying attention, that's the only name you're really worried about in Regina right now. I'm a little cautious about uh, kind of overhyping the 15-year-olds because Matthew Savoy was going to take over the league last year. Right. And, and he uh, did one of my guys rookie, and it just didn't happen. So, you know, when Connor Bedard starts putting up numbers in Regina, then I guess I'll give him his dap. So... Um. Yeah, where, what else you got on your notepad? What, where are we heading next? Down the highway, Moose Jaw? Let's first put Moose Jaw next for the Westman Warriors. Um, they <laughs> yeah. have 25 players, nine rookies. So just like Regina, nine rookies. So the Brandonites, Calder Adders, Anderson, Tate Popple, Cole Jordan, and, of course, Damon Hunt. And then you have Corey King of Suris. So Damon Hunt, the big thing is staying healthy, of course. That was a freak accident last year that cost him half the season. He is a terrific player. He's a difference maker every time he's on the ice. I expect a lot from Calder Anderson this year. I've heard nothing but great stuff about his uh, off-season work. So we'll see. That's a team, though, that only scored 146 goals last year. So somebody is going to have to snipe for them. Ryder Korzak is probably the key for them offensively, along with Damon Hunt. But they're going to have to get those goals from a bunch of guys, I would think, to have any success. I would agree with that. Korzak, to me, 67 points last year. He was like 24 points ahead of the next guy in Marty Lang, uh, the European import. So um, to me, the wild card here, uh, Eric Allery. Um, this kid, I mean, he, he <laughs> I hate to say this, but if he was a golfer, he would have had a great year. He was minus 33 by the time the year was over in the plus minus category. But he's a guy I think that can score. I, I He's a guy that he only had seven goals and 14 assists, but I saw some offensive flashes from that kid. So I, I, he's the type of guy that I, I'm curious to see his development as it comes along into his second year in the league. One guy for me, too, from, from Moose Jaw, is I remember when uh, uh, goalie below, Boston below, when when he got traded there, he was always a guy who always seemed to like perform fairly well in Brandon. But I know when, that his, when he was with the Raiders. Yes, yeah. yes. But his numbers even like they got considerably better uh, once he did go even to Moose Jaw from the Raiders. Like he always played well as a Raider. Yeah, in in Brandon. But he got even better when he ended up going to uh, to, to Moose Jaw. So I mean, if he can, you know, be be solid for them there, and they have a rookie goalie, uh, I, I believe as well, coming on in as the backup, um, kind of like kind of like what we will. So we'll we'll see how their goaltending tandem handles this. Uh, the shortened season. The good thing with a guy like Boston Billowis, Billow, Billow, I've never I thought it was below. I thought it was below. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to figure that one out. Um, but he started this season with the Estevan Bruins. So he was, he was one of those guys that got let go, not let go, but released from the WHL and got into a, a handful of games and was practicing with the Estevan Bruins in the SJHL. So from a goalie, like Perry and I talked to Ethan Kruger 
I mean, he was he was stopping pucks on his backyard rink. So from a development standpoint, yeah, sure, he may have only you know been around Esteban for a month and a half till the SJ shut down, but he was still at least skating with junior players. So I think the guys that did get a chance to do that, like Tyson Zimmer, uh, who we'll see make his debut here, he had eight points in ten games in the MJHL with Weiwei. You know, so I think the guys that did get a chance to play a little competitive hockey have a bit of an edge. Would that be a fair assumption, Perry? I think so, but I always counsel people to be careful with the 16-year-olds. You know, a, a, an amazing 16-year-old season is 50 points. You know, so that's two points in three games. So, uh, you know, in 24 games, what are the expectations for a really great season? If, say, Danielson gets 25 points or something, that's probably an outstanding year. Right. Because right. numbers numbers change this year. They have to. And we talked about uh, – we're talking about development here. And, and one of the teams that has really, really found themselves in a bit of a hole after their championship season, and, and albeit that's kind of the price that you pay when you, when you sell with a farm to build a championship team is what we saw with Manny Viveros and the Swift Current Broncos. But they're back in the East Division after spending a year in the Central. Of course, last year, tough year for them, just 10 victories, 25 points. But – for a team that, you know, they've had a lot of change uh, since that championship year, but now they finally got a few youngsters uh, that are really going to start to to try and turn that leaf over in Swift Current a little bit. And I, to me, I, I know that they probably aren't going to win a lot of games, but I am, I'm really pushing for them to, to turn that corner because the league is a better place and the Brandon Wheat Kings have a better rivalry when the Swift Current Broncos are a competitive hockey team. To me, it's still a couple of years away. Those yeah. kids that are coming in have to be – 1819 to really have an impact. They brought 26 players in and 12 of them are rookies. Uh, one of them is Braden Lewis of Burden. And of course, uh, former weekend Bodie Hagen is there too again. But you're right. It's the rebuild continues for the 2018 championship, which was so radical that the league changed the trading rules. That's all you have to know about that. They scored 129 goals last season and their top returning scorer, Aiden Bullich, had 22 points last season, 22 for your leading scorer. Uh, I expect Isaac Poulter, who is a fantastic young goaltender, to be busy again. Like I say, I to me, they're two years away at least. And unfortunately, they didn't bring Garrett Sandbrook of Medora with them. He is not uh, not playing for them. It would have been nice to see uh, Garrett have one last ticket to cap the WHL. You know, you know what? To be honest with you, the fact that I've been going to practice, I'm kind of glad that he's not here because that guy, and we talked about on Twitter, you and him had some weird, weird backdoor dealings, and that guy found a way to scare the absolute shit out of me at least once every three days at the Keystone Center. And well, it was so entertaining for you, and it drove me nuts. Let me tell you that story. What happened was there was a shot one day that just randomly came close to your head on the other side, and you jumped like you had just been shot. I didn't even flinch. So I happened to maybe accidentally mention that to uh, Garrett. And then he started firing pucks at you. And then he accidentally told some other guys. And then pretty soon it was an avalanche of pucks. This is after practice when they're kind of fooling around. Uh, Then there was kind of a point of pride for them to scare you. Yeah. And I'm a very jumpy fella to begin with. So this was not a fun thing for me. But no, you're right. Uh, From a Manitoba connection, but he's one of those 20-year-olds, similar to what we saw with Duncan Pierce, where the team has that balancing act. Do we keep a 20-year-old because he's been a good soldier? Or do we go with the younger guys and, and move on? Because 
mean, realistically, Garrett gets four years of school out of it. Same with Duncan Pierce, right? So they're going to be in an opportunity to continue their hockey careers. It, it's really that tough decision. And, and I don't envy these GMs that had to make these decisions by any means. Well, that, you, you raise an interesting point. We'll get back to the other teams in a minute. Darren Ritchie did something that I think was a really good idea. He could have brought their first rounder in from the last draft, but he chose not to. And, and to me, that means that he's rewarding his veterans, that he has made the conscious decision to play the guys that have been loyal to this team in years past. Now, I have just not that long ago said it's a developmental season, but at the same time, loyalty means something in the hockey world too. And I think that's something that he showed both his goaltenders and his defensemen by not bringing in extra guys. Exactly. It's just one less inch of ice that you're trying to share, especially when you're trying to get ready in a hurry. So, uh, Especially we, with the goaltenders. You only have 24 games and you have X number of practices. Two nets. <laughs> yeah, like and you only have one net per game. So you got to get the guys some touches. They have to see the, the net. They have to. You know, yeah, they and I, brought Nicholas Jones in, who's also signed. But, right. uh, you know, they, they elected to leave Nick in Calgary. And I've kind of wondered, and, and us broadcasters have kind of talked, because most teams came in with three goalies, and, and some didn't. And I look in, you know, Alberta, some of them have two. And I think in this East Hub, now, this, this is not confirmed by any means, but I feel like it's one of those situations where if there was an injury, you know, because of the quarantine rules and everything that's going on, I, I feel like a team would just loan them a, a team the, their third guy and just say, hey, look, in an emergency situation, just head on down to the other locker room. You'll sit on the bench tonight in case they need you, whatever. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that that's one of those things the league has talked about and said, hey, look, if we have to, you guys got to share your third or fourth, you know, goalies here just to make this work. If, so, if a Toronto Zamboni driver can get an <laughs> NHL win versus his own team, then I'm pretty sure that the WHL is going to figure out in case of emergency. So I, yeah. I'm ready to go. Um, if you no, need me, Rich. I guess the one other thing is that if you're going to put Crow in, no, Crow, we've already talked about this. Oh yeah. Stop it. Your goaltending dream is over. It's done. Let's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's put it aside. Let's put it aside. Just like swift chances of getting more than a few wins this year. Uh, as we move up towards a little more north in Saskatchewan and we talk about, uh, Caden Daly and the Saskatoon Blades. Perry, what do you think uh, about Saskatoon here this year? Okay, 26 players on their online roster, 10 rookies. Uh, they're absolutely led by Tristan Robbins of Brandon. Um, I was a little surprised the Wheat Kings didn't take him in his draft class. Uh, he's sure showing them now. Um, I'll never forget him, a play he made in Bantam. He was killing a penalty, and the defenseman decided if he fired a puck waist high, it would get to his winger. And Tristan just casually knocked it out of the air with the blade of a stick, went in all alone and scored on a breakaway. You know, he's been a very, very good player for a long time. Of course, his dad's a former Wheat King. Um, the other Westman connection is Ben Saunderson of Carberry. And then, of course, Caden Daly is in his 20-year-old season. He was a Wheat Kings draft pick, first overall pick in uh, 2015. Not first overall, a first round. First, first rounder. Brandon's first pick. Yes, yes. 21st, 22nd. It was the last pick of that round, so it was 22nd. 22nd. Yeah. yeah. To um, me, it, when you look at Saskatoon, you have to look at the offense. Uh, you know, Krakovic, uh, Chase Waters, just dynamic, dynamic players. Um, now, here's a story I don't know if you guys have told on the pod before. 
Do you remember the story about Brandon drafting Braden Schneider? Uh, yes, but I, you do a better job of explaining it than I ever could. So okay. how about it? So it's sort of an L-shaped room where they draft, apparently, and you can't see that what the teams on the far sides are doing. So Brandon decides to trade up because they love Braden Schneider. So they get the 12th pick. You know who the 13th pick is? Prince Albert. It's Prince Albert. Yes, yes. <laughs> so anyway, they come in, swoop in, and grab Braden Schneider. Now, there was apparently some unhappiness on the PA side when they did that <laughs> because uh, they knew what they were going to get. So who does PA take instead? They take Rhett Reinhardt. And I had a friend in PA tell me, well, there's actually people that think that Rhett Reinhardt is going to be a better defenseman than Braden Schneider. So, so far that hasn't worked out. Um, you know, Reinhardt got the trade to PG, came back to Saskatoon, but he's a big player and I like his game. I still think that there's something there and maybe another year in Saskatoon, maybe this is the one for him. Um, and the other thing is with Saskatoon, they have Nolan Meyer in net. And when he's hot, he's one of the best goalies in the league in my mind. Yeah, with Saskatoon, I agree. Offense is going to happen for them. Um, they've got some skill. Uh, to me, their back end is a little bit uh, thin, uh, but they do get that uh, an older guy coming over from Edmonton. So uh, oh, what the heck's his name? Why can't I not think of it off the top of my head? Uh, I'll think of it. Um, but, you know, Saskatoon's a team that's always – played Brandon hard, at least in my time. Um, and I, it, it's a good rivalry. I mean, you're right. There's some local connections. Um, you know, I, I feel like Tristan Robbins, especially the whole draft process and going into, um, you know, going into San Jose and, and taking part in all that. I think he's, he's really going to, if this was a regular season, I would say, you know, he could be a guy that hits a hundred point mark. Um, obviously this is not a regular season. So, um, but I still expect him to be a, a you know a point per game or multi point per game type guy as long as he's got the you know the rhythm going early. So Saskatoon to me is is going to be a good team along with Prince Albert and I mean we haven't talked about the Winnipeg Ice yet, but we'll finish in Saskatchewan with the PA Raiders. Sorry, you know what? I just want to say I just want to say one more thing too about Saskatoon. I have always got time for my boy Caden Daly. You know, our 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 fan base and him had a love-hate relationship, but uh, officially on the pod, I got to say, he is one hell of a good person, and I will always have time for Caden Daly. Terrific parents, too. It was Wyatt McLeod you were talking about. Uh, Wyatt McLeod. Thing. I was trying to th- – I thought it was Wyatt Murray, and oh, man, it's been too long. I, I haven't seen a roster that, you know, isn't just a projection in so long. It's I keep for- I'm forgetting all these people. Caden Daly? Which guy's that? He wore number 11, right? He, yes, that's who, that's who he did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's continue. Sorry, our, our Saskatchewan tour. Okay, so you go to Prince Albert. This is really interesting to me. 22 players on their online roster and only five rookies. Um, and I think that, to me, the key guy there this year is Max Paddock. Uh, I don't just say that, of course, because he's a Brandon Knight, but I think that he is a terrific goalie. It's shocking to me that he hasn't found an opportunity at the next level. Uh, I, I think he's that good. PA is probably my preseason favorite because they bring back such a veteran group. Um, you know, I, I lived there during the Dreisaitl Morrissey years when they were not very good, uh, but they've been good for a while now. It's going to be fun watching Ozzy Weisblatt. To me, Reese Vitelli could have a fantastic year. Uh, Keaton Gooley and Nolan Allen on the back end. Uh, they've got a good group, haven't they? Vitelli's from yeah. Winnipeg, right? Yeah. Right. 
he was in the Fonstad deal, correct? Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. yeah. So to me, I, the Aussie Weisblatt that that's to me him and, and Tristan Robbins and Ridley Gregg, uh, along with Peyton Krebs, are going to be the the point getters in in my mind. But the matchup that interests me the most is the Caden Gooley Braden Schneider one, because both of them were so highly touted. They were neck and neck. I'm really curious to see. Obviously, Gooley, a Montreal pick, Schneider, a Ranger pick. They're going to have a long career battling against each other, whether it's in the American League or, or in the NHL. Those two guys going head-to-head is a matchup that I'm really excited about. You know, they've been compared all the way up, and uh, I, I really – that's t- I know two defensemen, it's hard to compare on the ice at the same time, but I'm really excited to see that matchup between those two guys. Yeah, well, they're both very, very good players. You know, as a former netminder, I think Schneider would be the guy that I would pick just because I think he's a little tougher at his own end. But Gooley is such a beautiful skater. And he does everything at speed. He thinks the game so well. It, and I mentioned it, oh, go ahead, Chris. it's the 50th anniversary for the Prince Albert Raiders. So this year, I mean, they had an incredible season. I know Mike Sissons and their entire team, uh, they had an incredible plan uh, for their fans that they were going to be doing, uh, you know, all these, and, 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 and they still are, but all these special nights, but uh, the, the custom jerseys throughout their history, they're still going to be wearing those in the hub. I know that they're selling them as well, but just today they released that they're still doing a bobblehead. So they, uh, they have a Caden Gooley bobblehead. I don't know if you guys have seen this yet but i actually really love the idea to the point that i'm going to say that uh, in upcoming years the weekings that we should probably steal this if, if we could and uh when it was it's caden gooley and he's standing there but he's wearing a baseball hat and at first they just posted the silhouette as like a teaser and it really looked i thought it was like a baseball player and i, I so i texted mike and i was like you guys doing a baseball bobblehead he's like no but it kind of looks like that and the reason was because he was wearing a baseball hat but it's caden gooley wearing his prince albert raider jersey and he's wearing a Montreal Canadian draft hat. So it was, it, it was idea. his draft hat. So it's a, it, it's, it's, it's a great tie in. So for those that are bobblehead fans, I would encourage you to go and just check it out. It's on the Prince Albert Raider uh, social media feed, but I, I've, I've never seen that, but I, I love that celebrating junior hockey, the, the club that selected him. Um, even though I think that Brandon Schneider should have went higher than Caden Gooley, but <laughs> I love, I love that, uh, uh, that, you know, Schneider gets to at least rock the New York. So maybe we can do that one someday. It is a neat idea. Are you guys bobblehead collectors? No. I have No, a of course you aren't, Perry. Uh, oh, Perry doesn't collect anything other than cheap T-shirts from United States value villages and thrift stores That's and VHS tapes of old John hey, Wayne hey, films. Hey, hey, hey. I get these neat high schools that nobody's heard of, and I wear their shirt. <laughs> People have questions. I love that. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. I, you know, <laughs> one of my favorite moments of of our relationship, Harry, and we've been all over this great Western Canada together. You and I were walking around Medicine Hat, uh, and we were going for lunch, and there was a, a thrift store, like a secondhand store. And you said, "Well, let's go take a peek." And I thought, oh, "Okay, here we go." <laughs> In we go, and you went straight to the to the discount movie bin. Yeah. And I thought, okay, you know what? Maybe I could find a decent DVD here. It's something I can watch on my computer on the bus on the way home. Well, you weren't even in the DVDs. You were in the VHS pot. No, no. no. <laughs> I don't even own a VHS player. Oh, yeah, the story changes. No, you were looking at this, uh, just the old discount bucket of movies and the excitement on your face. You were like a kid on Christmas. It was so funny to see how excited you got to go through this discount movie bin. And pull one out and go, hey, I haven't seen this one in years. And put it in your basket. It was fantastic. It was Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) (laughs) How he remembers that, I don't even know. 
<laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, I love it. We always joke about how cheap you are, Perry, and it's one of my favorite never-ending jokes. It doesn't get old. We're now in year five, and we just keep beating that dead horse over and over again. You know, as much as I miss hockey and putting on live games, getting for the three of us to stand there filming a live crow's nest in the arena <laughs> and setting up while me and Crow just make fun of your attire while we get ready. But we love posting it. Like, it's absolutely the best. Uh, so we talked about all the Saskatchewan teams. I guess we better talk about the other team that's uh, just down the street, uh, and that is the Winnipeg Ice. This year with Winnipeg, it's kind of an interesting situation um, with their mix of, of, of returning players. And again, the big question mark, we already talked a little bit about uh, about uh, Savoy, but how does he now come in after last year being denied the exceptional status, finding basically Winnipeg did straight up found a loophole that he got to play in way more than than the number of games but he but he was not productive uh, you know in those games at least in terms of point getting do you see him being a bigger contributor now that he enters his you know natural 16 year old year he can't he's in the USHL no, he's, he's, not, he's not he's not allowed to come back he can't uh, come but, back at all no not until his club team is completed their season so is he he's in Dubuque right Perry is that I believe it's. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So the way it works, Chris, is because he signed there, he's not allowed to come back to Winnipeg uh, or to Regina in this case until the team he's playing on is com- uh, is complete. Um, so whether that means they finish out their playoffs and they lose, whatever the case, um, realistically, he's probably not coming back. He's with the Dubuque Fighting Saints. Sorry, I knew it was one of those places, uh, but he's with Dubuque. He's actually having a real good start down there. They're going to miss him. He's got 14 points in 14 games. Uh, so he's really performing at that level, um, whatever the comparable is. But without him, yeah, that hurts. But they do get Peyton Krebs back, which to me is arguably the best forward probably in this entire hub. The one thing about Matthew Savoy was he seemed very hittable last year. Do you remember Ridley Gregg hit him in the neutral zone in Portage in that uh, yep. exhibition game? And then, of course, Marcus Secundiak famously hit him uh, in Winnipeg in that game. Um, you know, he's got to learn to keep his head up, especially coming through the middle, because the guys in this league are ruthless. They will take you apart, as, as you saw. But uh, moving on to Winnipeg, 26 players on their roster, nine rookies. Uh, obviously, the rookie I'm watching the most is Connor Geeky of Strathclair, uh, you know, what an amazing family. Everybody, I like that whole family. Cole Muir of Vista is back, and then Brent Young of Nipah. So when I look, when I, when I think of the ice, I, you have to think of the forwards to start. Krebs, obviously, is one. And Connor McLennan is one of my favorite guys in the league to watch. He's just a water bug. Like, there's not a lot of skaters in the league better than him, are there, uh, Crozy? No, and honestly, he was one of those guys that I I didn't know what to expect from. I knew he was he was a good player, but it seemed like he just had Brandon's number. I don't know what it was. He was always all over the score sheet um, every time that that these two teams met. And unfortunately for them, obviously they go all in uh, last year, making that huge monstrous deal for Dawson Bartow, only to have that season kind of come to an end. So un- unfortunately for them, you know they were. They were poised to meet Brandon in that first round. That was going to be an all-out war, to say the least. I was, uh, I've was i never been that excited. I was so excited for that, all. man. Everybody was so pumped. And then even after you see them 10 times in the in the regular season, what it was going to be, still so just ready for a full seven-game series. Like, and I don't know. What a 17 Harry, games that, that would have been. 
you were with me for the majority of those games, uh, whether it was in Winnipeg or back in Brandon. And Brandon and Kootenai never had a rivalry. Brandon just, for, for the last five years, Brandon just beat the snot out of Kootenai. And that's just the way it was. But for whatever reason, from the moment Ridley Gregg hit Savoy in Portage that night, you were, you were taking photos when that happened. For whatever reason, that set off a series of grenades in this rivalry, and it was instant hatred, top to bottom. And I, I don't know what it is, but th- these two teams, Brandon and Winnipeg, absolutely despise one another. I thought it even started a night earlier in the preseason opener last year in Brandon that it, it seemed like about a period in that already that was starting to creep in. I think it was a little bit inevitable because Winnipeg's looking to come in and, and make an impression in the Manitoba market. You know, Manitoba has been weak things country for 50 years prior to last year. Uh, so, yeah, that really did eat up quickly, didn't it? I, and my you, favorite – oh, go ahead. And then you have the fact that you have brothers – on the two teams. <laughs> the no. best part was Ben McCartney fighting Carson Lambos. And I said to Johnny after, I said, Johnny, are you, are you mad that, you know, Ben beat up your brother? And he said, no, I'd let him do it again. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, and then of course you had Riley and Brad Janelle uh, and, and the Manitoba connections and, you know, geeky, of course, his dad was a weak King and Krebs is, is one of Kelly McCrimmon's draft picks. And, you know, there was just so many connections. Matt Cockle, the GM was the weak King's old coach. And, uh, we all know a couple episodes ago we we talked about Matt Cockle and his memory of time and Brandon on the receiving end of a bunch of Joe Marcruz's right hands. Uh, but yeah, it just seems like it's just a rivalry that I cannot wait. It might not have the same effect without fans in the building. To be honest with you, it might not. I'm very curious as to what this is going to be like. Um, but I really think that these two teams, if if they can continue to be competitive and similar when it comes to their skill level and their size and everything and, and their competitiveness, this could be a, a long time rivalry that really builds into something special. And I, I think it's, it's going to be really cool. Yeah, we, we, we were talking before the hub, like even if it wasn't going to be a possibility that maybe we were just going to have to see like a Manitoba cup, like if all the provinces were going to have to play within each other, then okay, I guess 20 games of Winnipeg Brandon and seriously after last year, if we had to, I'd totally be okay with that. <laughs> I mean, it really would have been a, a, a great series. I don't know. You're right. How is going to go with, with, without the lack of fans? Uh, I think though that once they get playing regardless, it's just maybe going to create more rivalries because these guys, like, they're going to be seeing each other constantly. I mean, at, at least in passing. I mean, they're all living in the same building. Um, yeah, they're going to be in different rooms, but like the way it's kind of set up there, Crow, like, are there like, there's got to be general areas where the teams are still sort of like, you know, within yeah. ear, like within earshot of each other, like, you know, maybe on an off day after something happens from across the courtyard, you know, you, you, <laughs> like uh, old schoolyard. You, yeah, exactly. You know, you might be just, you know, hearing some old chirping coming from, from the balcony as you're trying to just walk to pick something up. Like, I can't imagine like the, the actual dynamic of these rivalries super, when you got uh, these people living so close together. It's really odd. And, I, and, and for those, I mean, we've, we've talked at length about, you know, we were going to go into details about how this all works and, and, I know that there's fans listening that are wondering, well, where is Crow right now? How does this work? We know he's inside, but is he not in the bubble? Why is he in a hotel? Room? You're inside, but you're not inside inside. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of like uh, it's it's kind of like two levels. There's like two different worlds right now. There, there's one world where the players, the coaches, and the equipment and medical staff are inside a, a bubble, an actual bubble, where they are in their dorm rooms. Each team has their own building. 
Uh, a handful of teams are at the University of Regina. A handful of teams are at Luther College, which is all in the same area. It's all part of the same kind of complex area. Um, and each team has their own building. There's different pods and different style of rooms. There's some individual rooms. There's some four-man rooms where there's four four guys in a room with like a shared washroom. It, it depends on, you know, the building that you're in. Um, and for the first handful of days, but when they were getting tested and quarantined, they weren't allowed to leave their room. Like they were locked in like Alcatraz. And now that they've been tested and they're cleared, they are allowed to co-mingle. And I know from the Weekings perspective, their building that they're in, it has a common room. Um, I, th- I believe it's down kind of in the basement. There's like ping pong tables, pool tables, shuffleboard, all that thing. So the guys can get together. They've got a big meeting room, a big meal room. The guys can get together, play cards, you know, whatever. Now it's a lot more free than it was the first week while they were waiting for the test. But then the second level is media like myself and, of course, general manager Darren Ritchie, who's across the hall here. Um, we're allowed to go to the rink. We go in a separate entrance. We get we fill out a form, like a, a survey thing. They give us a medical-grade mask, and they tell us that we're only allowed to sit in a certain area. So I'm allowed to go around, take photos, and shoot video or whatever, but I'm not allowed to go uh, inside the penalty box because they have got doors from the crowd into the penalty box. I'm not allowed to go inside the penalty box, and I'm not allowed to pass the nets on the end. So I can go along the glass on the opposite side of the benches, but once I get to the goal light on either side, that's it. I can't go any farther. I got to go back to my side and back to my seat. So it's, it's very controlled. Um, for each game, uh, teams are going to be designated two spots. So Darren Ritchie and, and probably new owner Jared Jacobson or assistant GM Doug Gasper or maybe Mark Johnson, whoever he decides gets that other seat. And so him and, and whoever sit there in their own section. So a section, you know, 20 by 20, there'll be two weekend staff there. The section beside, there'll be two ice, two moose jaw all the way around the bowl. NHL scouts are designated to a certain area. They've all had to pre-register. There's no just showing up. They all have to pre-register and let the league know which games they're coming to. The Saskatchewan government has said that there's only 200 people allowed in the building at any given time. No more. So they have strategically calculated an entire game night from players, referees, office officials, team officials, NHL scouts, and media to reach that limit and no more. So there are going to be nights where, let's say Moose Jaw is playing Winnipeg, I'm, I'm not going to be able to go and watch the game because they've reached their limit. So it, it's very controlled, and it's very neat how they've pulled this all off. And, and you know, tip of the cap to the guys that are doing it. This is It's a huge undertaking, and it's a lot of work. So uh, hopefully these players can take advantage of it and, and have a lot of fun because this is it's all going to go by so quickly. But it's really neat, and it's really cool to be a part of and, and be around it. So uh, I'm excited to get things going Friday. I'm tired of sitting around. I want I want some hockey. Yeah, months, months and months of work from uh, Stacy, Joel, Evan, and the entire team there in Regina. So yeah, totally kudos, kudos to the entire pass organization. Um, even just for stepping up before the league even asked for proposals about what they're going to do. Regina and Stacy and his team, they were already putting this together, saying like, "Hey, we want to be a part of this conversation before the league was even asking for proposals." So good on them. Um, as we finally look to talk about relevant hockey again. Oh, I'm just, I, I'm so excited. So, Crow, even if you can't be there, WHL Live for those yeah. fans, because again, you're not going to be able to, uh, anybody watch live hockey this year. So for those that are, that are listening, if you haven't got your pass yet, go online, check it out. It's the all new WHL TV. Uh, there were, uh, yeah, a couple of hiccups on night number one, but since then, I don't know about you guys, but I, I've watched uh, a, a bunch of games since. It, it's been awesome. It's been really, really enjoyable. So you can get full WHL access every single game for 60 
60 bucks for the season. They've also got day passes. So if you want to watch, uh, and again, this is across the WHL. So any games that are happening that day, uh, but you can go online, you can check that out. And We King season ticket holders encourage you to go to the We King team store because you get a special offer uh, where you can save some money and get a special gift as well uh, with your subscription. So for all don't, the fans. Don't mention- don't yep. mention discounts or special offers around Perry. <laughs> that guy loves a good discount. Perry's already got his <laughs> WHL Live provided, I'm sure. Don't you, Perry? Yes. I'll give them credit. Like, this is an excellent package, and it's actually allowing me to do my job from Brandon. Uh, some of the calculations that went into it, you know, newspapers aren't awash in money right now, so this is the less expensive way for my employers. Plus, I don't have direct access to the players or coaches anymore. So that's online as well. So yeah. I can do the job just as easily from my couch as I could from Regina. Well, and it's been kind of nice, like these post-practice Zoom meetings that, we, that we've been having. Again, it's kind of like, you know, these little mini Crow's Nest weekly harvest things where, again, we can have the access with the players. You know, we, we, we have this setup where thanks to the coaches, you know, they have the station with the computer where it's easy for us to do that. Uh, thankfully, Crow gets into the building. Uh, myself... Really gonna miss Week King hockey. I have not missed a Week King home game since the 2014-15 season when I started for the team. Uh, I even had a kid in there during playoffs in 2015, and uh, and still ended up not missing any any games. After the game, I went back to the hospital and slept in the chair beside my then wife and the and 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 Briar. So that's just kind of the dedication. So these will be like my first week king go home games that I'll have to miss um again like since I started. But hopefully if the 14 day quarantine restriction lifts, I know that I want to get in for at least a game or two. Um because as you guys know and I don't know if the podcast listeners if they know or not, but I'm the public address announcer for the team and I love doing that. And you know for us to try and bring a little bit of the sound of our game into the hub because the way Regina has it working is it's a fantastic setup for everyone, but it's going to be a very busy uh, couple people actually running the game day experience. Yeah. They have one PA announcer and they have one DJ doing all these games, like two games a day for the, you know, like 60 days. Um, so the teams have asked, like, if other teams, you know, have their PA guys or DJs to come on in and help, you know, kind of create their game day sound in Regina, they were going to do their best to make that work. The only two teams that's really an issue for is us in Winnipeg because of the border and the 14 days. So hopefully at some point, if that lifts, I would love to be able to get in for a game. So Crow, at least one time this year, you can say, here's Falco with the call of the goal. <laughs> and I can actually, you know, do a weaking goal call because I have really missed that like big time. And uh, that's one thing I'm as much looking forward to the hockey happening when our home game happens on Saturday. And somebody else is announcing the Week King goal. I'm going to be a little bit sad, honestly, sitting here. I miss waiting for Perry pregame to because and and Perry is a creature of habit, and you can attest this, Perry. There is a certain point of the pregame ritual at West Toba Place when you make your way down to the headset, and I believe it is a tragically hip song that starts to play. Yeah. Yes. And it's funny because you know that old story of Pavlov's dog when you know he rings the bell and gives the dog a treat. It's literally to the point where when that song, when I hear the first note, I can turn and look and you're backing up out of your chair. Like it, it is literally the same thing every time. So for Weeking fans that want uh, Perry on the broadcast for our WHL News and Notes segment, as he always has been, we are going to try to continue that. 
um, we're just going to have to pre-record it. That's all. So uh, hopefully uh, people uh, can tune in from wherever, in their car, in their tractor, um, online, streaming, wherever. Uh, we're going to try and keep it as 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 same as always. We're going to have Perry on. We're going to have Pete on. We're going to get a little bit of Pete's perspective. Uh, we've talked to a few other guys coming on and give some insight as well. So I'm really looking forward to it and getting back in the saddle a little bit. Um, and, and you know what? This was a lot of fun, guys. I mean, this to me, we've had a lot of guests and we've had a lot of great storytellers. But to me, March 8th, the day we recorded, this is the most fun I've had in a long time because it means we're all back in the saddle. And well, this is, this is good. And, and and this is truly the week before the season. Since we've kind of you know, broken down the fourth wall a little bit, I'll even break down a further story here and admit something that uh, earlier in the podcast, you didn't hear me talking a, a whole bunch because at this time of the year working for the team, there is stuff to do and stuff to be posting and, 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 and producing basically nonstop, like I ended up working nights. So while we're recording the podcast, I was finishing the export of today's crow's nest of the media call that we did earlier and the footage that crow you shot at practice. I edit and put together and I'm now posting that throughout our social media channels. So this is all going on at uh, it, it's almost 10 o'clock at night on Monday. And this has been like another 12 hour day added on to working on Sunday, working Saturday, working you know overtime on Friday, getting ready for the season and, it's not even like this is not a complaint. This is a straight up like I'm smiling while I say this. <laughs> like I'm so excited that I'm working legitimately towards Wheat King hockey. Even if I'm going to be upset that I can't do exactly what I want to do, just like everybody, forget that. No time for sympathy. It's nothing but smiles and happy because all this work and all this going on, it's finally going to be for a goal. And we're now literally only four sleeps away. And I don't know if you guys say days or sleeps. I, I'm, I'm still a kid when I do that. It's always how many sleeps away I am from something. We're four sleeps away from Wheat King hockey. Perry, you'll get a kick out of this uh, because you know my wife and you two are oddly similar in the jokes that you crack about me uh, behind my back usually. Uh, but, you know, I said to a couple of guys, you know what, uh, I'm not overly excited to go into the hub or into the bubble in Regina. You know, I, I've got animals at home. I got chickens. You know, I, I've got a bunch of lambs and, and sheep coming right away and, uh, you know, the cattle and everything else that projects we like to do around our place in the summer. But I'll tell you. You know, the day before we left, and I can say this openly because I know for a fact there's no way in hell she's listening. Uh, I was pretty jacked up, to be honest with you, <laughs> when it came to the night before. I had that truck loaded up. I had my suitcase all packed and loaded, and we went out for dinner at Brown's uh, the night I left. I said, see you later. We said our goodbyes, and you know what? It was I, I do miss being at home a little bit, but, hey, this is, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So I'm just as excited as the next guy, so really looking forward to Friday night. Uh, we'll have the broadcast for you starting at 3.30 in the afternoon. Our pregame show will go live. Puck drop is scheduled for 4 o'clock at the Brandt Center. So we'll have that for you on Q Country. Uh, keep it locked to WeKings.com as well as QCountryFM.ca. Uh, for all your WeKing training camp coverage, of course, uh, the lovely folks at Precision Toyota and Verdon Bertle Mainline Motors uh, really backing uh, our efforts to bring you all of the camp uh, information we can. Check out the Brandon Sun, support local journalism, pick up a newspaper. Uh, and of course, when you're getting ready to listen to the game, swing by the beer vendor and pick up a nice case of Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Wheat Kings and proud sponsor of the Weekly Harvest. So uh, that's all I got for this week. Uh, guys, I'm really looking forward to it. This was a lot of fun. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow, I guess.
right? Hey, one sec, one sec. I got my stuff to pimp here too. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> Today's Brandon's son, Tim Lockridge, 392 penalty minutes in the 1977-78 season. Week King's record, 392. He played on the 78-79 team, greatest Week King team in history, one of the great CHL teams in history. Uh, terrific story, great visit. Next Monday, the all-time Wheat Kings penalty leader in Randy Ponte. Next Monday's Brandon Son. You're going to want to pick it up. Randy's a great storyteller. He had some fantastic stuff to say about his time in Brandon. Uh, so that's one you don't want to miss. And yes, you could wait a few days and read it for free on the Wheat King website because Perry and the Sun are so nice. But don't do that. Don't do that. Don't be a cheapskate. Support Perry. Support the Brandon Sun. Go and get your subscription, even if it's online. It's well worth the it. The guy's going to need a new coach because he's <laughs> going to need, coach. or at least a new cushion. Like get, <laughs> Help get this guy a new cushion for his couch. He's still watching <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite, damn it. Come on now. we got to get this guy Netflix. He's buying DVDs. Um, uh, I just got two things to add on. One, uh, Crow, I, I, I just when you were talking about how you're actually kind of enjoying the hub, made me laugh. In the one media scrum, we didn't post the clip, but I thought it was really funny that Chad Nychuk said he could actually probably live there. He was enjoying it so much. He was so comfortable. I like that. Um, you know, that's just so the he just wants to play hockey. He's with his friends. He's having fun, right? Like it's all good. Uh, and two, uh, you mentioned your animals. Thank you for the eggs, Crow. Uh, you know, we, oh, yeah. we, 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 we give shout outs to, to, to Billy's Beef and, uh, and everybody else. But thank you to Crow's Chickens, uh, for, uh, laying a whole bunch of eggs. Crow finally brought They're in. They're not actually Crow eggs because I thought when Brandy said, Hey, we could get some stickers made up. We could call them Crow eggs. I was like, that is a terrible idea. <laughs> people, people, people are going to think, and then she went, Oh yeah. Eggs. She never like, and she's a marketing brain instantly. She was like, Oh yeah, you're right. That is a terrible idea. <laughs> we cannot do that. <laughs> People are thinking I'm just like setting up nests by dumpsters around the city of Ver- town of Verdon. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good all about that. <laughs> right on. Let's well, do it, boys. We are we are just over an hour, so WCG TV is not going to be happy with us. We went over our time limit, but it is what it is. So thank you guys all for listening. And uh, questions, concerns, anything, comments you want to send, the email inbox is always open. It's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. Letter Q Weekly Harvest at gmail.com. Uh, Perry, thank you so much for joining us here. Three-time guest now tying you with, with Darren Ritchie. But really, I mean, I, I like this when you come on. You're, you're kind of more of a co-host with us. So it's nice having you on. Oh, thanks a lot, boys. I always appreciate the time. And thank you for, you know, being so kind about the whole scheduling fiasco about you finding out you were on this week's pod by listening to last week's podcast. So our bad walking my dog and found out I was on your podcast. (laughs) Our bad, but thank you so much. (laughs) All Uh, right. So, that's going to do it for episode 46, the weekly harvest presented by Coors Light, official beer of the Brandon Wheat Kings. This is our last one for the season. So officially, go Wheaties, go. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wheat Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wheat Kings news. Thanks for listening to the weekly harvest.